Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. As per the usual, today we are joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Hello, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, we're joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hello, Gref. Hello, Joe. Hashtag, who is Gareth Dutton? We're, we're determined to get this trending. And we are joined by the Samsung kid himself. It is Andrew Stafford. Hello, Andy. Hello, Joe. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Jonas Westerling's back on again. Um, so, I guess first thing to say from everybody at My Fancy Zamboni is Happy New Year. Um, we're now recording on the 3rd of Jan, so the, uh, the the New Year's festivities have now passed, and we are all back to uh, the slightly glum uh, <laughs> routines of going back to work. But um, the last week certainly hasn't been dull from a hockey perspective. The Dundee Stars beat the Belfast Giants 3-2. Um, the Blaze beat the Panthers 5-4, and we also saw a toothless smile on Mr. Gareth Dutton's face as the Storm beat the Steelers 5-3. Um, just a few of the results from last week. Strange occurrence, obviously, we had we had games throughout this week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday was actually the, the full schedule for this week, so a bit of a bizarre one. Um, so this week, we've got something a little bit different. Uh, a nice little treat for everybody listening, haven't we, Dave? You want to tell us a bit more? We have indeed. We were um, lucky to uh, grab a few minutes uh, from the voice of free sports, Aaron Murphy himself. Um, everyone will recognise his voice, his quirky commentary. Um, but he gave up his time to talk to us about the Elite League, um, about his own background in, in broadcasting and uh, his uh, thoughts on the, the new year. Yeah, certainly, and uh, what everybody should know uh, about that interview is it actually took Dave two attempts at recording it. <laughs> um, we thank Aaron very much for doing the, the interview, and we, we had some technical issues, which meant the first time it was done, um, it disappeared. So we just want to say a big thank you to Aaron uh, for redoing the interview as well as actually initially saying he'd do the interview. But anyway, that'll come later on in the podcast. For the time being, gents, um, what are your highlights from the week or week in a bit just gone? I think for me, it's just the, the complete spread of results. You've not had a team or the, the, the top half of the league dominate the bottom half. Everyone's taking points of everybody. And the attendances across the festive period, including the last week we've just had, um, just very healthy. And then we're talking clubs like Fife, Dundee, uh, Manchester. Uh, Manchester selling out on New Year's Day. Um, nearly 2,500 rocking the shelter. You know, stuff like that, which we mentioned in the last podcast, were just good to uh, see it continue throughout the whole week. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. It's brilliant for the, the amount of primes that have come out over the Christmas over the festive period. Uh, my highlight of the game of the the games that have just gone, I'd say it's Dundee Belfast. Don't think any of us thought Dundee would beat Belfast three two. That was a, a bit of a shocker. A bit of a shocker for the league. Yeah, man, you've always Dundee as well. It's uh Glasgow when the beat is Dundee Stars 4-1, uh, which is a good result for Glasgow, as uh, Dundee have been red hot at home. Um, it's a great game in general, uh, massive crowd at Dundee. Uh, the first goal came from Matt Haywood after a deflected shot from Tyson Wilson, uh, which was reviewed, but it was eventually given, uh, and that put them ahead after seven minutes. And then Brendan Conley scored again to put them 2-0 up. Uh, but, but it was a great... It's a great game. Uh, Matt Becker also scored the points, but uh, put three, put three no up. Uh, but it's it's a good point. Um, there was no penalties in that game at all. No penalties, so just an even flow hockey. 
uh, again, just a great win for Glasgow. That's the thing. I, I bet there's a number of people that are jumping on that and saying, oh, we, you know, the refereeing was terrible and, and there were no penalties, but bang on in what you're saying there, Andy, and that this, I don't think anybody, I mean, I haven't seen the game, but I don't think there's any chance that that game could have been anything but a nice free-flowing game. Um, it's always a bit of a pain when a team or both teams get into penalty trouble because you, you just end up stopping and starting all the time. Uh, you get your periods to rolling from a 20-minute period into about 40 minutes because you're just constantly stopping. Um, so, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to see a game on uh, in, in the arena at some point, in the Sheffield arena at some point, without any penalties because it'd be nice to uh, to see that free-flowing hockey. Um, for me, I, I guess, I mean, in fairness, Dave, you, I think it was Dave that said it, you, you kind of picked up on the one that I was going to say, to be fair. Uh, and in fairness, I, I believe it was your prediction as well we I haven't written the predictions down from last week for this week's episode so I apologize for that but um I mean you saw Belfast go on a three game streak Friday Saturday Sunday um smashed Milton Keynes out of the water on the first day a 5-1 win at home um 5-4 win against Glasgow so getting closer and then obviously a third um game against Dundee uh, which Dundee took the victory from Dave I, I think you actually said that didn't you you said you think three game run uh, the Dundee be the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back on that one. I did, yeah. I just thought, like you said, you know, three games in three days takes its toll, um, and you know that's why I thought Dundee to the points. However, so flip side of the coin, it's good preparation for the Giants, as in a couple of weeks' time they'll have the Continental Cup final, which is again three games in three days. So, as much as that will take its toll there, again, good preparation um, for that, which is something you rarely get. Um, in league seasons going into like the Continental Cup Super Final yeah absolutely I mean going into the Continental Cup Super Final anyway is a, is a rare recurrence in itself but then to see to see that kind of tailored prep two, two weeks beforehand is a, as you say certainly a nice coincidence for them um, moving on from that to the changes that we've seen across the league I'm going to start with Gref on this one because the first change that I've got is in Manchester Gref you've lost another goalie that is correct, yeah. We lost Declan Ryan, well, Dr. Declan Ryan, as his actual preference his name is. He's got a job as a lecturer down in Northampton. So, unfortunately, he, he left us after the, the the New Year's Day game. What a game to sign off on. He might not have played in it, but he's, he's just watched the team beat his arch rival that, when he was growing up. He'd it was an arch rival. Like for me, growing up, that was Steelers was always an arch rival. Back in the old Super League days. I'm glad someone thought it was a rivalry because I didn't think it were. Um, but uh, but on the point about that, Ryan, it's it's heartbreaking from a, a goalie to see someone like him retire and put life first, which is nothing wrong in that, because he was a, such a talented goalie. When he was playing in Telford, I generally thought he would be the next goalie to take the push and go for Ben Bounds' GB shirt. I felt he was that good. Um, won numerous uh, trophies at Telford. Uh, but, you know, like Redgrave said, he, he signed off uh, playing for his home team. Um, what a way to go, I suppose. Yeah, I actually turned on to you at one point in that game. and I? I actually said I thought that going on a couple of the goals that were let in by Matt Ginn, um, I, 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 I could see at one point... Um, if Steelers had put a couple more goals in, I thought he might have got the uh, might have got the finish on the game. But um, yeah, as you say, I mean, the... I think if Manchester got the sixth goal, I think you would have seen him in. 
I, I think they would have two turning points. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. If they'd have put another goal in, or if we'd have put another couple in when we were up by one, I think we might have seen that change. But obviously, the, with the scoreline as close as it was, it wasn't to be. But it's, it's true to see a guy. I mean, as you say, to see a brick goalie. I mean, he's only twenty six. Um, it's a young age to see a guy leave the sport. But at the end of the day, you know, if he's got a good opportunity outside of outside of hockey, currently, I mean, he's, he's sat on the bench for. For the Manchester Storm, uh, particularly since obviously Pashal left, um, you know maybe he's looking into it and thinking: is does he want to be sat on the bench as a backup that gets the odd game, or does he want to be moving into something that, that's going to be a lot more stable for him for a, a lot more years to come? And as you say, you can't blame him for making that move. You can't at all. But let's just take one second to admire his pads. How nice he, he went to the occasion, and he had a nice with them pads. On New Year's Day, it was gorgeous. The first thing I noticed as soon as he came out of the dressing room, I was like, "Why you done your pads up? Nice." They were, they were like good, some of that you would call like what the goalie paw that you probably call it. We—that's what we call it, yeah. Uh, and it was up there. Uh, great set of pads, great colour match. Um, yeah, the guy who knows how to coordinate himself. I still don't think goalie pads can go better than anti-ranters. Uh... Kachina pads that he was wearing with the Kachina jerseys for the Arizona Coyotes. They were just stunning. I think the last World Championship ones rivaled it. Um, so Google it. A lot of the the, the starters for the uh, like the Latvian national side of Swedish ones had the logo inputted into the their bow pads. They look very nice. Anyway, moving back on from from goalie <laughs> pads, um, got a little bit sidetracked there. Andy, what do you reckon to uh, to Det Ryan? Um. Well, there's, there's not enough lot I can really add, to be honest. Um, it's just there's a f- fantastic uh, couple of years in, in uh, Telford, uh, won a championship with them there. Uh, this season, he's only played uh, two games Manchester, uh, but he, he has got a point eight three three save percentage, which isn't too bad. Uh, but, but, yeah, a very young netminder. Um, would be nice, and would be nice to think about. It, it would be, you know... At some point, it's clear maybe less than for GB, but um, yeah, it, it, it's an opportunity you can't really refuse. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's something he's, he's been looking for a while, uh, you know, to get a job like that, and uh, it'd be a great opportunity for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on from Deck Ryan, then Dave, we've seen a move in Nottingham as well. Uh, how we'll, I'll actually, I'll go to you for the outgoing move in Nottingham. Yeah. Um... Player leaving the, the Panthers, uh, Timberden. Um, bit of a, a out of the blue um, departure based on it was done just as they were facing off or in and around that same time. Um, so they, they've obviously made the change. They, they had, there was a bit of a slump, but uh, there's not much else to say apart from the replacement wasn't that bad. Yeah, we'll come on to the replacement in a bit. I'm going to leave that until the, for the last one because I feel like that's probably the one that we're going to talk about the most. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I agree with you. Tiverden was, was a very strange one. I mean, he's 14 games for the Panthers, obviously a, a left or right winger. Um, always good to have a versatile guy who can go on both wings. Um, 25, so you know he's not he's, he's, he's at a pretty prime age. Um, 14 games, 10 points. 
Um, so not not a bad stint for the Panthers, but obviously not really got into his full stride there. Interestingly, played for three teams already this year. Um, he's played in the VHL in the Alps Hockey League and then obviously come to the Elite League. I am not going to try and pronounce either of the other teams that he's played for um, this year because that would just be horrific and I would butcher those names. Um, what, what, what do you, uh, Gref, Andy, what do, you, what do you guys think about this one? I think... Yeah, it's obviously the replacement that we'll go on to later. That's a hell of a signing. Uh, his points production, 10 points out of 14 games. For some players, that's not that's actually pretty decent. But with the calibre of players that you've got in Nottingham, I don't really think that was good enough. Especially with they've not really been at the, the best of form over the, the holiday period. So something needs to change. It's funny because uh, as soon as Nottingham signed this player, um, I said that we've been playing already, having played two teams this year, two teams last year, then three teams the year before, that it probably wouldn't, wouldn't work out. And I was, I was, I was pretty much right on that. Um, it's, as I said, he's, he's, he's played for Seriaka Karaganda in the, in the VHL and uh, Quaggan 13 in the Alps League. Now you uh, just show it off. Nottingham. So yeah, uh, having so many teams uh, in just one season for the past, it's looking like seven years. He knew that something was probably not not right. But the game with the depth for Nottingham have got, they've got so many players on that roster can pick up points. You know, they've got Guptill, Kovacs, uh, just to name a few that are doing really well this year. And they've just signed a fantastic guy now. So it was pretty much sick. Seen upon this, this player leaving to us. Can I just say ten out of ten on the pronunciations? That was Thank top you. work, Andrew. Thank you. No, I, you I, I like him getting. See, the, difficult, Joe. I like him getting the humble bragging. Oh, look at look at this! I got the uh, I got the prediction right, and then just on top of that, Joe's just said he can't pronounce the names, so I'm going to do it instead. Just yeah, I'm just going to back away into the corner and I'll let you guys finish off. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Another player that we've got that's moved on is Clay Anderson. Um, he has obviously left the Milton Keynes Lightning, I believe, yesterday, was it? The 2nd of Jan? Yes, yesterday. Yeah, so um, 32 games for Milton Keynes, 9 <coughs> points in total. Um, the thing that strikes me on Elite Prospects, uh, and I don't know how accurate it is because not all players plus minuses are filled in on Elite Prospects in the Elite League, if this is right, over 32 games, he has a plus-minus of t- minus 28, which is pretty phenomenally poor, um, particularly in this league. Um, I mean, you know, if he'd have, if he'd, if he'd have even now something like that, maybe in the NHL, then I'd be going, okay, fair enough, you know, minus 28, but he's playing in the top league, playing in the elite league with a minus 28. You know, a whole different kettle of fish, which completely contrasts to his last year in Olborg. He had 50 games with a plus 25. So, interesting. I, I, I don't know. I think D-Men's um, stats are a lot more difficult to read. You obviously don't rely on them for the scoring. Um, obviously, the goals against on the ice are more what you look for them to stop. But at the same time, there are five guys on the ice. So, yes, 28 goals more have gone in. He's conceded 28 goals more than he's than have been scored while he's on the ice. But 
was that all his fault? I don't know. It's just a strange one for me. Yeah, I mean, he's been released uh, due to family reasons. Um, so I, we hope. I speak for everybody that it's nothing too serious. That he heads back to North America. Um, and yeah, as a team, they they had that patch where they really struggled and, and defence just wasn't there. Um, in fairness, though, the last few weeks that they've kind of tightened up a little bit. Um, not enough to recover from them stats, um, but you, you kind of, you know, it, it could be a bit of a blessing in disguise for the Kings. They, they could bring someone in who could, you know, steady the ship even more, maybe chip in with another, you know, 10, 20 points. Let's, let's hope it actually does become a blessing in disguise for MK. If stats-wise, as you mentioned, with the minus 28, I don't really think it's actually this. A single game for MK. I think about it with MK's start of season, where they got a a bit of a, a smashing, you could say, against Cardiff. That's definitely going to put your your plus minus down to a lot. And then obviously, especially if you're out for most of the goals, with the amount of players that they had out injured, it's. It's not good to see him going for personal reasons if it's like family related, or the we don't know the the whole ins and outs of of a thing in regards to that. Is hopefully for MKs, it they can replace him easy enough. Yeah, my last twenty eight. It, it is a stat that that does sort of highlight uh, on his page, and uh, be apart from that. Uh, Obviously, again, just just wish him just wish him well, and that's family is is as okay as it can be at, at this time. Yeah, it's a lot of players this season that we're seeing leave for personal reasons or family reasons. It's not it's not good to see. And and as Andy says, um, and as Dave's already well, fair, as you've as you've all said, um, you know, if, if as we have done with everybody else that's left for personal reasons or family reasons, you know, we wish him well. Um, hope that it's not too serious and obviously hope that, that everything's okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, th- I think there's pretty much all you can say on, on that kind of move, to be fair. Um, obviously, you can't really speculate on the reasons behind it. Um, you can just, just wish well and, uh, and hope that everything's all right. Um, the last signing that has been made since the last time we spoke is the signing that, for me... In fairness, if anything, I'd, I'd even say it goes far as saying it's the signing of the year across the league, or the sorry, the signing of the season to be more specific, since there were only three days into 2019. Um, but for me, um, really, really standout signing. Um, Andy, do you want to tell us who has signed in Nottingham? Yes, the Nottingham Panthers have signed forward Chris Stewart, um, who comes directly from the. NHL pretty much played for the uh, Calgary Flames and Minnesota Wild in the 2017-18 season. Uh, played for well, played one game for Hamilton Steelhawks uh, in the ACH, which I presume is like a uh, a league for retirees as, as Stuart retired briefly. Uh, but said he wanted to come back in the game and uh, is very quickly signed with Nottingham Panthers. Six hundred and fifty games in the show is nothing to be summed at, um, regardless of whether it's a role or you're there to score points. So the guy has talent, and like we mentioned earlier on, Nottingham aren't afraid to mix things up to to change their results. They still think they have a shot at this title. They have to make moves. 
Shannon has proven already this year that he'll make the changes as you know as quickly as he can do. And this is just another one. I mean, he's, he's you know you've got to be you know a bit of luck on your side and, and to get a 650 NHL player. Um, that's a, you know a bit of luck on their part, but a good signing nonetheless. I agree. That's a great signing for them. I mean, the amount of, you don't play that many games in the in the show, as you would say, if you're not that good. I remember him actually playing for Buffalo. And that was before we had like the likes of Darlene and Eichel. We'd only just drafted Nikita Zadorov and Rasmus Ristolainen. It was... He did amazing for us. I mean, we traded him to Minnesota for draft picks, because that's the kind of team we were back then. But he's... Watching him play, is Hopefully, he doesn't tear up the league too much. But it's going to be unreal to watch him play, especially on Sunday when they play against us. Yeah, um, you've all hit the nail on the head in in, in what a class signing this is. Um, I think this is one of those signings that will go either way. Well, will go one of two ways. He'll come in at the end of the day. He's had less than half a season really off, or half a season off at the start. Obviously, he's played, as you say, he's played in the uh, the ACH. Um, he only actually played one game in the ACH. Obviously, decided as you say, he decided to retire. Um, I think what you guys are saying is his NHL contract. He, well, he didn't have any offers uh, to rejoin the NHL once his contract ended. Um, decided to to retire. Um, after you guys are going to have to correct me on this is what you were saying earlier on but I believe from what you guys were saying that he, so he signed in the KHL and then opted to not go to the KHL for personal reasons um, and then obviously decided to retire play the game in the ACH and then he's, and then he's decided he wants to start up his career again um, well not necessarily start up his career for a guy playing in the NHL but he's decided he wants to go and play for Nottingham um, I suspect his brother Anthony had something to do with it uh, obviously played over in Nottingham during the lockout um, a decent enough player that came over. Um, he, well, I think he played 16 games in total, if what I've just read um, is right. 16 games in total, eight points. Um, so <coughs> a point every other game for a guy who's got a third of the games in the NHL as his brother and not nearly the same kind of point output. Um, Chris Stewart is a full package player from what I've seen of him in the NHL. Um, and he's a he's a player that you remember when you watch him play. He's not only a, you know, he can he can score, he can play make and make the assists. But my God, he can make the hits and he can throw the punches as well. So he he can bring a bit of everything to the table. The only thing that I'd say is the one the other way that it could go is if he comes in one game in the ACH, he's, he's had half a season essentially retired. It depends on how much he's let his fitness go to an extent. But when you've played 650 games in the NHL, A, you don't let you don't let your fitness go down that quickly. And B, you know, you're still gonna have something about your game that means that you're bringing something to the table. So a, a huge signing for me. And in fairness, there's all this speculation in amongst social media and amongst the fans in the league. People always speculating about the kind of money that they'll be paying him. I always kind of think that's what opposition fans do to kind of put a downer on a good sign that another team's made. Realistically, it doesn't matter what money they've paid him, but it wouldn't surprise me if they've got him a lot cheaper than you'd expect. Um, guy coming straight out of the ACH, he's already decided he's going to retire, possibly just doing it because he wants to play hockey at a, you know, at a decent level. You know, but certainly a wait-and-see signing, but a stellar signing for the, uh, for the Nottingham Panthers. 
Um, and on that, unless anybody else has anything to add, I uh, I think it's time to throw it over to the interview that Dave did with Aaron Murphy. So once again, thank you to Aaron for doing the interview and then doing the interview again. Um, but for now, we will throw it over to the interview. Enjoy. And joining us on the My Fantasy Zamboni podcast, I'm delighted to say we have the voice of free sports, Aaron Murphy. Aaron, thanks again for giving up your time to uh, talk to us. No problem at all, David. Any time, buddy. And uh, so, um, you know, we're now in 2019. What's been the highlights uh, that you've had so far in the Elite League this year? Oh, well, there's been plenty of them. You know, that that um, the Christmas Classic game was a fun game. Obviously, Sheffield Arena, 9,300 and change. Uh, out on December 27th and a back-and-forth game. Uh, big victory, back-to-back victories for Sheffield, so that, that was a, an exciting one. And maybe uh, not to, to stick too much with Sheffield, but Ben O'Connor coming back on one of our TV games and scoring the winner uh, in overtime, that was that was pretty cool. But they've all been fun. I mean, we've had uh, most of the games that have been on free sports from the EIHL so far this season uh, have been close affairs and, and physical affairs showcasing the uh, – the league, so knock on wood, it continues to be uh, some close games. And you've obviously done the live games and the the highlight packages on Free Sport. Who are the players uh, across the league that have stood out for you? Uh, I mean, I've really enjoyed watching Charles Longley in uh, Cardiff. I mean, the guy played in the KHL, he's played internationally for Belarus. He's got those sk- skills, those hands. We saw flashes of it in the Champions Hockey League, and now he's looking uh, like he's adjusted to life in the EIHL, and on any given night, looks like He's not going to, you know, ever give up on a 50-50 puck, and he's just got those soft hands. I think he's been really fun to watch. Um, there's been so many guys. I mean, you mentioned Ben O'Connor. It's always fun to see Ben in full flow. Uh, there's a defenseman in Nottingham that I like watching, that Dylan Olsen character. He plays at a high level, former first-round pick. Look, there's so many good players across the uh, the Elite League. Tim Wallace in Milton Keynes is fun to watch. He had a big game on TV where he had a couple of – I think he had a hat trick, all three of the goals on the power play. So lots of special players and uh, big signing for uh, for the uh, Nottingham Panthers today, bringing in uh, a player in uh, in Cam Stewart, who's who's got 650 NHL games played and all that. I believe they had his brother Anthony there previously. So look, uh, the league keeps getting better, and uh, there's plenty of guys with NHL experience in in every roster. There is indeed, and, and neither team uh, so far has actually gone out and, and took lead of the whole league, and so no one can really say who's going to win the league, but I'll ask that question to you. If you had a £5 to bet on a team, where would that £5 be going on to win the league this year? Well, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Belfast have been road warriors. They're very, very difficult to beat uh, on the road. Uh, their goalie, Tyler Beskarani, has been, for me, at times, the best goalie uh, in the league. Uh, I mean, they've got Jim Vandermeer back in the lineup now. They should have Colin Shields back as well, so with guys, key guys injured, they just kept churning along, but then you've got, I mean, you never bet against the defending champions until the defending champions are done in Cardiff. I mean, they've added Evan Mosey. They've had some some turnover, but, I mean, with, with a few games in hand, they're right in touch of the Giants. And then you talk about uh, the Panthers. I mean, they've had some inconsistency, but then they bring in this Stewart with his NHL um, experience and thinking he can help them down the stretch. They've got a good goalie in Garnet, so... I mean, anything can happen, but I, I guess right now you look at it. Cardiff are, are the defending champions. They've got a, a few games in hand, and if they stay healthy, I guess if I had to, to put a wager on, I'm not a big betting guy, but I guess you'd put uh, put a fiver on the Devils. Okay, well, thanks. So uh, so what got you into broadcasting? What, what made you, you go down the line of broadcasting? 
Ah, well, I mean, I played at a pretty good level. I wanted to be involved in the sport. I always, I mean, I grew up in a place where you could watch hockey every night. Um, hockey in Canada was Saturday, and throughout the week you could watch, you know, the NHL on Sportsnet and and, and TSN. So, I, I mean, I grew up in a, in a place where you could you could ingest, digest as much hockey as you wanted. So, I mean, I always thought uh, I'd like to be involved in that side of it. I went to school in Toronto, a place called Ryerson, which was right around the corner from Maple Leaf Gardens, which was pretty awe-inspiring to walk by that building when the Leafs still played there every day on your way to class. So, I mean, I, I went to school for it. I played uh, played hockey at Ryerson at a, at a good level. I played uh, growing up. So I wanted to be a part of it in some way and been lucky to be, uh, you know, at four Olympics and several Stanley Cups, stuff like that. So you just keep, you know, when you, when you experience the game at Stanley Cup level and Olympic level, you just want to keep doing more. And I've been lucky to, to turn it into a career uh, on all fronts. And that's that's what I do full time. So I'm very lucky. So you mentioned that you've covered the Olympics and obviously you've covered the World Championships with uh, Team GB. And do you get the same buzz uh, as a commentator, obviously yourself and uh, Paul Edwin when coming to Team GB, but as you would as a as a playing participant of these tournaments? Well, I don't think. I, I mean, look, I don't think you could ever replace the buzz that Ben Bounds would have feel or would have felt. Uh, Last year in that game against Hungary, I don't think you could replace the, the Robert Farmer goal, the buzz he would have felt when that trickled over the line against Hungary. But, I mean, you, you do you do get that, the jitters and the butterflies before a big game, and you certainly, when GB does well, or if you if you call, like, the Spengler Cup final a few days ago on free sports, was incredible. Kalpa beating Canada in, in a shootout. You, you still get those butterflies and those nerves and, I mean, I talked to Paul Eddy about this a lot. He, he, you know, nothing replaces playing, um, but certainly you enjoy it. It's probably the next best thing. So very much so. So, free sport cover obviously the league. They obviously also cover the SHL, the KHL, and obviously the Champions Hockey League. How how much work goes into um, preparing and covering these broadcasts? <laughs> it's funny because a couple of my buddies who don't work in television here in, in Ireland, they think that I just show up and work three hours every couple of days and that it's like uh, a charmed life. <laughs> they don't realize that when you're doing a KHL team that you haven't done before, it's probably about eight hours work. You know, you've got to learn some of the rosters in the KHL. You have 40 guys on a roster. You need to know something about all of them. Um, for every Pavel Datsuk, there's probably 10 guys you've never heard of on a KHL roster coming up from the VHL or the MHL. So, I mean, rule of thumb, um, I mean, you're doing, if you're doing the same team every, every day, then obviously the work goes down. But, I mean, day to day, if I'm doing a game at, say, 6 p.m. On, on free sports, I've probably put eight hours in before I ever put the microphone on. So you're probably talking a full day's work for every game. No, um, it sounds so fun. Um, and just to finally finish off, obviously, we're in 2019. what was your highlights of 2018? Um, from the broadcast booth, and what are you looking forward to in 2019? I mean, 2018 is it's bar none, isn't it? It's the Robert Farmer goal, and, and anyone who doesn't think that's the biggest moment, not just in, in hockey in Great Britain, but in sport, and quite frankly, I mean, it was unbelievable, the, the giant killing that went on and the belief in that uh, Team GB roster, but the Farmer goal, the way it happened, the, the time left on the clock, the, the lack of... Uh, give up, if you will, the compete level from GB. The, the highlight of 2018 for me um, was that, certainly Farmer and promotion. I mean, the, the, the Panthers were great in, in the Champions Hockey League heading into 2018. I know it was before the new year, but I mean, just there were so many great moments from, you know, British hockey. So, uh, 
too many to count, uh, but probably the, the stand-up moment, certainly the big moment, the one moment is Farmer's Goal. Uh, this year, well, I'm obviously looking forward to being in, in Slovakia for all of the GB games on site there at Steel Arena in Kosice, and Paul and I can't wait to get over there. It'll be a bit of a, a bit surreal for Paul and I because uh, obviously we know all the guys on the GB roster, we know the, the coaching staff, but we also grew up watching Canada at the World Championship, so it'll be pretty surreal to have Canada versus GB live and uh, obviously impartiality and, and all that professional comes professionalism comes through, but it'll be really neat to see Canada versus Great Britain. That should be a highlight of 2019 for sure. Now, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that tournament um, from a GB perspective. So, well, well, thank you very much for your time, Aaron. Um, really do appreciate it um, and, and all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks. Happy New Year and uh, thanks for including me. Once again, um, a massive thank you to Aaron Murphy for that interview. Spoke um, very willingly, very, very candid, and um, he gave us some good insights into uh, into his thoughts on a number of hockey occasions and a number of uh, goings on over the hockey world over the last year or so. Um, so very, very good to get him on, and we, we can't thank him enough for that. Um, Dave, the next thing that we've got on the agenda is something that you wanted to bring up relating to retired jerseys. Do you want to do you want to give us an explanation on that? Ask yeah, the questions. It, it, it's kind of something that. Is it sometimes it's a taboo subject depending on who you talk about? Uh, so each club we across the UK have a number of uh, numbers that are retired due to people and players who have served their club um, very well, have had a massive impact upon the club, um, and then it, 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 sometimes it's a great argument as to who should be the next person. Um, and I don't really raise it because. Again, I apologize if it's a Sheffield example, but I suspect this, you know, change the name of the person I'll mention next to someone else in, in a different team. Um, but the argument of Steve Nemeth in Sheffield, whether he should be the next shirt that should be retired in Sheffield. Um, you know, and you could go down it every difficult. So I just wanted to throw it out, you know. I mean, I've got an opinion on that, and I'll, I'll touch on that at the end. But what do your guys think? Do we have, do we have too many shirts that are retired? And are there any players that have played within the elite league who are next for that sort of the, the greatest honor a hockey club can bestow upon a player I, I, I personally I mean we've only been going four years well the the new storm that is but it's it is a great way to have like the memory there of the player that was like for example with Coventry, you got Adam Calder. That's a great tribute for him, considering, obviously, his passing. It's it'd be great down in Cardiff as well when they've retired jersey numbers, especially for like Matska. It's for those type of players. It's a it's no more than a fitting tribute. It's brilliant. But then when you have players that they probably paid what one season, they're not done well. It's you don't think, okay, yeah, you don't deserve your jersey to be retired. I mean, that's what I think personally. Yeah, um, for me, for, for me, from the Steelers' perspective, I think we've got quite a few up there already. Uh, but one thing I would like to see is a goalie up there sometime. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of players who have had their shirts retired, and I think it's probably about time that um, there should be a goal there as well. Uh, but 
from a real, from a realistic point of view, next person I can see up there is Jonathan Phillips because he's the probably the most successful captain uh, in the elite league era, and uh, for me, he, he more deserves to be up there when he when he does retire. Which goalie then would you want to see retired? Have his number retired? Um, it, it's a very difficult one. Uh, there's quite a few. You know, you got Mike McKay, Jody Lehman. Uh, just to name a few, uh, but for me, I think for me, uh, either Greco or Lehman for me. Greco, that's an interesting one. Just to, from a different team, and trying to gauge of who we may think maybe the next one to potentially have this show retired. I'd probably look over the um, the Irish Sea over to Belfast and maybe even Adam Keith's number. Um, been there for a number of years, served the community very well, being the face of the Giants, represented them with distinction in his role, um, and doing the same now off the bench. Maybe that's probably the next across the league, um, the number two will go up to the rafters. What, do you, what would your guys think to that? I'd also say probably like Stephen Murphy as well when he retires over there. That would be a great, a great shout for North Pass to retire the number, especially goaltender as well. And the amount of games he's played for them, that would be brilliant. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going with that. I, I, in fairness, I, I'd agree with either of them, to be fair. Murphy's done a fantastic job with the club. It's kind of sad to see him as the as, as the backup as he's now. Um, but he's done a stellar job for the Giants. He uh, was the face of the Giants for a long time, obviously, as that, as that netminder that you hated to come up against because he was such a strong netty. Did such a good job for GB as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't complain if Keith was. Um, you know, he, he 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 played the enforcer role for a long time. Obviously, for a, for a start, a guy that was willing to play for a team on a significantly reduced pay to what you see up in the higher leagues, presumably, um, and still get his face battered in for his club. Um, obviously, did some did some face battering himself, but to, you know. To, uh, to to eat a few fists while he's while he's there and get a, get a few punches for his club is is for a start is something that I think goes a very very underappreciated amongst fan bases I thought I think people just think oh they're a hockey player they've got to fight but when you think about it you see guys fighting in the NHL and then you know they're getting paid millions or at least hundreds of thousands in uh, dollars a season. And then they come down to the elite league, get paid significantly less, and still they're willing to take those punches and put themselves into their potential problems in the future. So just even just that side of things for Adam Keith. But then obviously he also had a decent point production. He's obviously then gone on to join the coaching staff and and lead them on, um, obviously to some success last year to lift some silverware. Obviously to some success to get to the final in the Conti Cup this year. So certainly it would be a good shout in fairness across the league. I agree with Andy in terms of Sheffield. Um, it, it couldn't be anybody else. I know there's been a bit of a, com- a conversation among some of our fans uh, about Steve Nemeth. Honestly, can't comment. I, I've to, you know, I hold my hands up. I wasn't watching at that point. I am, I'm not going to say yay or nay as to whether or not he should be. I'm not going to ask that question. Um, but you know, for me, there's only one person that should be retired next, and that and I agree with Andy. It's that's Jonathan Phillips. Um, I think the whole thing with retired numbers generally it's it's difficult you've got to draw a line at some point um, and that's the issue as to what point do you say the person has earned that honour because if you're throwing them away left right and centre you then reduce yourself from 
98 numbers, obviously with the obvious 99 not being a num- uh, you know, an available number for obvious reasons. You reduce yourself from 98 numbers to 88 numbers if if you give 10 away, and and it just suddenly becomes that that cap down. You know, you should you still only reduce the number of numbers available. Yes, you've still got 88, and you've not got that many players. You've not got that many players on the team, but still, just just for just for that sake, keep it as an honour. There's no need to give that. You know, there's no need to give that many away. You look at what Jonathan Phillips has done for the Steelers, and that's the kind of thing that you want to be seeing from a player that that has the honour to have his jersey lifted up into the rafters. I'll, I'll kind of answer slightly on the never form um, as, as, as I started the, the whole point. Never did a heck of a lot of work at the beginning of the Steelers and, and when the Steelers began. I had a huge impact. Me personally, I agree with you and Andy in respect of Phillips's impact. Um, as the captain of the Steelers, as a player for the Steelers, I'll ignore his GB accolades for a slight moment, but for the, from a Steelers perspective, he's represented the club superbly. Um, and you, you look at... Sometimes you look at players and you kind of go, yeah, they're destined. I mean, you look at different leagues around the world. I mean, the example I can think of off the top of my head, Henrik Lundqvist at the Rangers, when he goes, his number will go and be retired. Phillips, for me, is in that same bracket of once he's done, that's it. His number just goes, it's natural, because of the play and the, the way. And also, the level and bar that he sets. And that, and that the point you're saying about you've got to make sure it is an honour. Don't just throw him away. And Phillips has set that bar very high. You can't, you know, he's come back from two horrific knee injuries and still maintained the level of performance which has earned him the continuation of being the captain. So... I think it's something that, you know, we can throw out to the, to the rest of the listeners. I mean, from your club, we have 11 teams in the Elite League. Now, do you have too many retired numbers? Do you have it not enough? Is there anybody that should be retired? You know, let us know what you think. The other thing that I'd say is I, I do... I like the idea of what they do in Glasgow. I don't necessarily like the way that they do it in Glasgow. I think retire from my understanding is retiring a number or well sorry, putting a number up on the wall at the end of every season. Um I think it, it, it's kind of you could find some nice middle ground there where you're saying, you know, we're going to recognize what this guy did for the club, but He's not having the honour of having his number retired across the across the team, and then you've got a bit of a bridge there. You can you've still got your kind of you you, you know you've, that that kind of respect of the fan base to have that number up there, but then not to have that number retired across the team. That's reserved solely for those people who've set that bar, as you say, like like Jonathan Phillips. I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, one player that that I would highlight for the Steelers that I think for for different reasons could be on that kind of list. Would be a player like Rod Saric. Um, you wouldn't necessarily put him up on the on the list for a player who'd have his number retired, uh, but at the end of the day, the guy lost the kidney for the club. He, he bled orange. Um, you know, he had the time, and Doug Christian said said no, we don't want you, and he, he had no interest of going anywhere else. He was a stealer, and that was it. Um, he, he gave everything when he was out on the ice every game, um, and yeah, I, I think players like that deserve some kind of acknowledgement, but not necessarily having the number retired across the team. I think, as you say, that keep that a little bit more special. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Joe. Um, Rod Sarich, another great player for Steelers. Uh, but going back to Belfast, I mean, Keith is a good shout to have his number retired, but there's also quite a few that maybe I would choose over Keith uh, for the time being, and that's 
Mark Garside and Colin Shields, who have both done fantastic things for the club. They've been there a number of years. You know, they're, they're both British as well, so they've, they've done stuff for the Great Britain, they represent Great Britain, they've, you know, they've, they've, they've represented the club and the Elite League really well, and, and I think they're two others that really deserve to be there for Belfast. Yeah, and Colin Shields is also the all-time franchise leader for points in Belfast as well, if I'm not wrong. Um, if not, he's certainly one of, but I'm I'm pretty sure I read that he was the leader, um, the all-time points leader in, in that franchise for the, for the Belfast Giants, which is, as you say, particularly as a Brit, um, I know the flip side to that argument is, as a Brit, he's played a lot more seasons than most imports will do, but still to get that kind of accolade to play as well as he has done... Um, yeah, I certainly agree with Shields, and in fairness, Garside as well. I I agree with both of those as well. But th- but this is the this is the problem, isn't it? it? It's this is kind of one of the one of the issues that I have with retiring numbers is because once you start picking a player, then you can you can find other players that may may also deserve that kind of a similar right, and then it just where do you draw the line? Because for me, retiring three players or four players from that team from a similar era is you suddenly, you know, potentially doubling the amount of retired jerseys they've got, but it's a difficult one. It is just to, before you move on to the next one, uh, Joe Shields is top goal and point scorer uh, in the franchise history for the Giants. Sound. I'm making that up for not pronouncing the names that Tivenham played for before. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I'll ask. I'll ask another question on that basis then. Before anybody. Unless anything, anybody's got anything else to add before we move on to the next the next point, but uh, the the question that I'd ask relating to that, Dave, you've obviously highlighted what Jonathan Phillips has done for GB, as well as what Jonathan Phillips has done for the Steelers. Would you do something similar in a in a jersey or a number retirement across GB, or would you just stick it to the Steelers? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. You see some of the the, the big nations. Uh, Finland did one. Uh, last year, memory serves right, of one of their you know all-time great uh, senior players, and I believe in my own opinion that Phillips would be in that bracket, as would uh, Colin Shields as the all-time leading goal scorer for GB. Um, that you know, and, and also you know someone like David Longstaff, a hundred caps for you know the only guy to have a hundred caps for his country um, over you know. This, that, that type of player, and it's it, it's like we've kind of mentioned already, it's, it's setting the bar. And if you were to say from a GP perspective, David Longstaff, Jonathan Phillips, Colin Shields, in whatever order, that bar for GB is set high. And if any player ever wants to not only just represent the country, which is a great honour, but to have the number retired, then you know what you've got to achieve. Um, so I'd, 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 it'd be great um, if... Uh, once, um, obviously, Colin and, and Jonathan do call it a, a day, um, but you know, maybe, maybe Longstaff, maybe the first one to consider um, to be retired. Yeah, certainly, hundred caps for your for your nation is uh, certainly nothing to turn your nose up at. It's uh, it's a it's a phenomenal start, and again, as you say, it's it's about deciding where that bar's set, and I don't think you could set that bar at any more any more of a perfect position than uh, than that, because that really is. A fantastic achievement to to get that many caps. I don't think any player ever dreams of, of playing that many games for for the nation. So it's uh, yeah. Anybody got anything else to add on that, or are we are we are we good to move on? 
I'll take the silence as we're good to move on. Um, so, <laughs> the next thing on the list is the Department of Player Safety, to give it its full name. Um, we've now finally been granted the video footage that we've all been waiting for, sat on the edge of our seats for, it, which is the footage of the slash from Finucci. Um, Gref, what, what do you think to that? It was, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. I think I think he turned up to the wrong type of sport. I think he should have been at like uh, hurling Yankee Stadium, curling <laughs> or, uh, or Yankee Stadium back up back in the states, something like that. Because that was like a, a full on baseball swing, Fair. golf, maybe going four. I mean, the play itself before he did the slash. I mean, we when we were talking about it, we both said. That was like a, a two-minute interference call, at least. Obviously, they get called, which I, I'm assuming the refs didn't see it, which obviously they can't see everything. And then the slash itself, that was just... That was a diabolical moment for him. It was horrific. It was brutal. Um, it was... There was just no need for it. You know, and for me, the hit... Was okay. Um, that's a moment of madness for him. Um, so early in the game as well. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna be happy with something, you know, let him get up, let him turn around, and up the gloves. Don't, don't go to the you know, slide, slash into the back of the legs. That's just yeah, no place for it. I'm sorry. Um, hopefully he's learned his lesson. It was terrible. Huh? That's all I can really say, to be honest. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was poor. I mean, I, I, I think I. I agree with Gref. I know that as Gref said, me, we, we both talked about it. Um, when we, just after we watched the video, I, I do think the hit was a two-minute interference call. I don't think there was anything dirty about the hit, and I, I think that's the kind of thing to, <coughs> to kind of note. I, I think I think there should have been a penalty called. It was it was off the puck. I think the player, in all honesty, the puck seemed to kind of take a weird bobble off somebody's skate, and I think the player making the hit actually thought that Fenucci was going to end up with the puck, hence the hit. As it turns out, the puck didn't actually make it to Fenucci. I think it bounced off a stick and bounced back away from him. But to then go and give the slash, I mean, I can only think that nobody plays pranks on him in the changing room. If that's what he's going to do after a bit of a bit of a late hit or a bit of an off-puck hit God knows what he's going to do if, uh, if he's getting dummied in the changing room for things but um, yeah, I, I just don't see any logic to it at all I just don't see how you flip to that reaction um, you know a, 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 maybe a poorly timed hit there was nothing to the head there was no risk of injury it wasn't like there was going to be anything catastrophic and then just a nice big two-hand across the legs which in fairness without being melodramatic could have easily broken his leg and that's the thing that, that I think needs to be realised about it. And in fairness, he could have had more than the two matches for it. The, the other thing that made me laugh was I saw, I saw a Fife fan on Twitter afterwards. They, I think he commented on the video or they tweeted about the video. I can't, I'm not sure what it was. But they actually said, can, can you tell me why the interference call wasn't made on the hit? Well, A, because the referee didn't call it. <laughs> which means B, they probably didn't see it. Because if you look at the actual video footage that shows you the slash, they cut to two different video. 
Um, and I'd, I'd not noted where the referee is on this. This is solely on an assumption of where the referees generally stand as to one, one either side of the ring. Dependent on the view that they had, they may not have actually seen anything wrong with the hit. Dependent on where the puck was and where the players were, if they've seen it at a slightly off angle, they may have, from what they've seen, they may have seen that as the, play, the player having the puck. They've got to make a decision based on what they saw in that split second, and that's why that call hasn't been hit. Sorry, why that call hasn't been made. Regardless of whether the call was made or not, you don't go and two-hand a guy across the back of the leg. There's, there's no justification for that slash. Whether the call was made or not, whether the hit was dirty or not, the slash was 100 times worse. But, as Dave says, you know, hopefully his lesson maybe just saw red. Um, you don't tend to see his name come up with dots, but just a, just a strange one for me from, from start to finish. Just a weird incident. Um, but again, moving on from them, uh, I, I'm going to go back to Dave uh, because Dave, you had another thing that you wanted to talk about, which was the attendances over the Christmas period. You've hit us with a few um, shocking statistics, which were even more shocking than Greth's attempts at guessing the uh, the statistics. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell us a bit more about the attendances over the festive period? Yeah, it was it was a bit like I said in one of my highlights was I felt like it was just good to see um, you know so many fans go through now. Including tonight's, or last night, it's now quarter past 12. So from the 22nd of December to the 3rd of January, we've had 33 games in the Elite League um, in that period. And we've had over 111,000, 111,000, my apologies, 111,000 fans across them games. I mean, that, that is just a healthy number. It's superb. And especially at a time where, you know, you've got the Christmas parties and money saved for the presents and everything. To, to get that attraction, I mean, I tried looking at the averages and it, I mean, we can look at the stats in terms of who had the highest averages over that period. You know, Sheffield done well, um, over 6,700. Um, and then you look at the likes of Nottingham, who was actually averaging around 82% of their capacity. And uh, looking at Glasgow, you know, they was at around 90%. And it was just good to see some really good, healthy stats across teams. You know, okay, you're going to get the one or two teams that don't have the, the high number percentage to their capacity. But I thought it was just really good to have and see so many fans wanting to watch Elite League hockey over the Christmas period and bodes well for our, for our league moving forward sort of uh, this season and onwards where we are getting now more people and with the TV deal that we now have it's now a product that we can sell to sponsors to you know to potential more investors yeah it was absolutely fantastic in, in, in the words of Guy Barlow um but yeah, just a great effort from everyone around the league, and uh, I, f I think a lot of that goes to uh, to Free Sports and and Aaron Murphy and Paul Eddie and, and and just the coverage that the sport has got this year compared to <laughs> compared to what I had last year's. Uh, it's, it's been phenomenal, and, and I'm sure it's uh, a massive accolade to them for getting uh, these numbers. And I mean, I thought maybe eighty thousand around that region, but. No, a hundred nine thousand is fantastic, and hopefully uh, those numbers will rise this year. Yeah, fingers crossed. I'm going to throw this it's over. A bit to... more than what Griff predicted. Well, exactly what I was just going to say. I'm going to throw this over to Griff now to answer <laughs> the question and also embarrass himself to say, <coughs> Griff, what was your estimated number as to what that was going to be? Sixty-five thousand. What was your estimated number before we told you to give a more realistic number? <laughs> I was just going after your guy, so 27 and a half. <laughs> you, 
Dave, what did you say the so, uh, the Steelers' attendance alone was? Over? <laughs> so the, the Steelers' alone was 20,194. These are all going on the game sheets that are available on the Elite League website. You know, you were close for one team. There's 11 teams unlucky. You had Nottingham. They had 24,484. So you got, you know, for nearly 45,000 on two clubs alone over seven games. Um, and these are, and so just to clarify, these are all the home games of them individual clubs. So it's not like counting, um, so not even playing Sheffield twice. It's literally just the home games and their attendances. Um, so yeah, Gref, that initial um, guess was awful. At least you try, Gref. I'll get you some cake. Oh, brilliant. Red velvet, yes. Can you eat oh, cake yes. without teeth? <laughs> no, it's fantastic to see the attendance on the rise. You, you, you know, I completely agree with what Andy said. Um, you've really got to look at you know what Aaron Murphy and, and Paul Lady have done on free sports and, and what that coverage has done. Um, so really, really big, you know, a, a huge mention to them and a huge mention to the uh, the powers that be in the Elite League that have managed to negotiate the deal with uh, with free sports because that really, really is a, a fantastic turnaround in terms of attendances. And, and you've got to say that the, the coverage on a network like Free Sports has got to be something that's either to blame for that rise or potentially to suggest a future rise because obviously we're getting we're getting a new market we're getting people that can watch it on a, on a free channel people that can watch it on TV and then go oh actually you know that looks that looks like a good thing for me to go to watch live and, and as hockey fans we're very quick to knock the powers of being clubs for, for doing things and you know being very cynical um but I think this is one that you know, deserves full praise. You know, I mean, you know, Sheffield, for example, had one of the games on TV, sold the building out. Nottingham, two sellouts on the trot. Glasgow, sold out signs. I think Cardiff, Cardiff were at 99%. There was like about 30 tickets off, selling all three games. Um, Belfast had a great attendance over that three-game spread. There was like around 5,200 5, um, across all three dates. So... You know, well done all, well done all the clubs across the period, selling the product, getting the fans through the doors, and long may it continue. Let's have these averages continue for the rest of the season. It it just bodes well for the rest of the league. It absolutely does. The one thing I'd say with Cardiff is that you've got to kind of think that obviously they had their arena built for them relatively recently. Um, you, you've got to kind of think they they probably wish they could have thrown a, another thousand seats in there or so. I, I appreciate that that has a lot more financially um, an implication than than just saying, oh, let's just throw another few more seats in. But for a team that's had the success that they've had over the last few years, the turnouts that they've had, as you say, selling out 99% over over the three games or so, it's that's phenomenal. Um, and you've you've got to think when them selling that you know that kind of capacity out over three games, you've got to wonder if they're kind of wishing that they've got a few more seats in there. I think if they if they continue to do it over the next two years, and I'm not saying there's any reason for them not to, I'm just going on a, a, a huge you know, percentage of time. They may consider that. Yeah. If you remember the old, you know, um, the the old rink in the city centre, God bless its soul, and I, obviously the the big blue tent. You were talking 2,000, 2,200 to three, I think, was their capacity. So they've already they've gone from that type of level to finding another 800 fans. Um, if they can continue to get the other number and be constantly having the sellout signs, then that may be the call to say, you know, can we develop it? Can we expand the numbers? It's it's a nice problem to have for Cardiff. Um, but I think that's something they'll, they'll judge over the next two or three years if they consistently hit 3,000 th- and the sellout signs. 
if they drop from peak down to 2829, which yeah. is still a good percentage of their building, they probably will be happy with that capacity. But if they can continually hit the sellout signs, that may be something they'll consider. And it should be good for growth for, for the sport down in that neck of the woods. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, I, mean, I, think, I think we could do attendance to death, but then at the same time, I think we'd end up going around in circles and just saying you know, how good it is to see the attendances on the up as they are. So we'll, we'll move it on from there. Um, this was something that I wanted to raise. Um, something that you've seen kind of change a little bit, maybe go a little bit more underappreciated under in the league, um, but it's the role of the agitator player. Um, the key thing that kind of highlighted to me was was on social media between Steelers fans about Ryan Martinelli. Um People saying they don't rate him because he doesn't fight, or he seems to have left his, you know, left his gloves in in Belfast for fighting. I, I think people kind of make a jump between what an agitator is and what a fighter is. I think they make the jump between the two. When realistically, an agitator is a very different thing. But what do we think to the role of the agitator as a whole? Is it becoming a bit more of a a dead thing now, or is it still something that's as important as it was? I'd say it's, it's very important to have an agitator. I mean, who wouldn't love to have an agitator on your team? Someone that's going to annoy the, the opposition into getting a penalty. And then you're on a power play. You get a power play goal. It's brilliant. It gives you even more bonus points. It's like with Martin Lee, with you guys. You, I saw it on the New Year's Day game. He was... He'd rile up some of our players so much that they'd want to go for him, pretty much. And as obviously we are the, the goon team, as everyone calls us, we get the, the we get the penalties, and then that means you guys go on the power play. You guys score in the power play, you go up. It's a, it's a good thing to have on your team. It's a huge role in how Kimmy is. It's still quite prominent. I mean, uh, Levan Nelson was uh, sometimes that guy last season. Steelers going that photo with uh, Jay Rosehill, where uh, I think Rosehill was trying to square off him, and, and, and Nelson was just waving at him, massive smile on his face. Um, and who can forget Brad Marchand as well? I mean, uh, we, we all remember Lick Gate from last season. Uh, you know, he tries looking players to get them to, to get a reaction, anything like that. And, and even though he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a rat. But, um, no, he's, he's a lot of a rat. He's not a bit of a rat. He's a lot of a rat. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. But that's his role, and he plays it well, and, and, and you won't see him flying very often. But that's what he's there to do. He's, he's there to wind uh, the, the players up, and he, he does it pretty well, in fairness. Two things to say. Uh, firstly, Joe, I hope you've got the bleep ready to bleep out the mention of that name from Andy. Uh, we all don't want to silly uh, such a podcast as we have. Uh, but on a serious point, um, these are the you know when when the team's playing well, you've got to have someone to try and put them off a the game, and that's this this is the one of the roles of that of that player. Yes, in years gone by, the, the agitator was also a bit of a fighter, and you know everyone knows that fighting's going down in terms of numbers, so they can get them off the game and you know you know get the power play like was already mentioned. It's still an important role. It's, I think it's just the role's changed. It's it's not as as rink rat. Um, you know, it's not like years ago when Richardson and Infinity would fight seven times a season from the first puck drop. Um, you know that that role has changed, and you know 
for the better, for the worst. I suppose it just depends on your view of it. You know, what do you want out of a game of hockey? Um, Levi Nelson was a great rat. Um, did the role well, uh, and you know, many players. Tommy Shaw, who was at Cardiff before he came to Sheffield, did the role superbly. So, it, it, I suppose it just—it's all, it's all your interpretation of what that role should do. If you want that role to be a fighting role, you're not going to see much of that now, sadly. Um, but are they still going to try and put the opposition off? Absolutely. There's no better agitator in the league at one point than Ryan Finney. Steelers fans quickly found that out when he left Sheffield and went to Cardiff because <laughs> that was you didn't you didn't kind of realise until he played for Cardiff and then realised quite how much you hated him in a different colour. But um, no, I, I I completely agree. I think it's a role that, that is there that we still need. I, I, you know, you've you've hit the nail on the head with that, Dave. It's a role that's changed. We're obviously not having uh, as many. <coughs> You know, as many fights as you say, but I think people are making the jump to. I mean, particularly with Martinelli. Martinelli's never been a fighter, and that's the key thing to note. Martinelli winds players up so they turn around and retaliate and get themselves a penalty. He'd be completely stupid if he then turned around, dropped the gloves, and got himself a penalty as well. There'd be no point to it. It'd make everything that he was doing to agitate completely pointless. Um. One thing I'll say with with regards to agitators, and this is to address Brad Marchand, because Brad Marchand is a player that I cannot stand. Um, the one thing I'll say about Marchand is, and it's he's the type of agitator that I do have an issue with, because there's a difference between agitating, maybe throwing in a bit of a late hit, throwing in a bit of a slash on the glove, things like that, and throwing in some of the hits that Marchand does. Because Marchand could have easily ended the career of a number of players. If you if you search on YouTube, Brad Marchand slew footing, you can find a compilation of a good twenty times that Marchand has slew footed somebody in the NHL. There's a difference between winding a player up and doing something that could potentially take him out for a year or end his career. That's the problem. And at those points, the agitator should stand up and answer the bell. And that's my issue with Marchand. If he's going to throw a hit like that. He should stand up and answer their bell, and he hasn't done. But generally speaking, if it's a guy that's given a few taps and whacks, a few, maybe, as I say, maybe a late hit, things like that, then that's fine. It's just when you t- when you step over that threshold to start maybe putting a player's safety at risk a little bit more, that's the point where you've got to take a bit of a step back. But it's an important role. Um, I, I just think it's a role that goes a bit more under, underappreciated. Now, I mean, you look at... I'll talk mainly from a Steelers perspective, but you look at certain players over the last few years that have been let go or been the first players to be let go, uh, and you look at players like Brady Ramsey, who was an agitator player who had a bit about his game as well. Um, Jayla Tulip was let go at at Steelers, who was an agitator player. I I think it depends on the type of agitator. It can't be a sole role anymore, and I think that's the key thing. You can be an agitator, but you've also got to be in the top class of player as well. You can't just be an agitator anymore, which you could be in the past. It's kind of like with the old enforcer, where in the Super League years, and Griff will back me on this one, you'd have your 22-man roster, and one man was signed purely to fight. So when you announced this, you signed, you looked on the internet, um, dial up, as it were then, um, and you'd search for all the, uh, the fights, and that was his role. And then when the elite league came and the reduction of the import numbers, you had to have the, the, someone who could fight, but who could play. And you know, it, it's it's very similar to the agitator role. Yeah, they have to be able to play. They have to be able to produce points. Um, and that's where you know, the likes of Michelle and, and Nelson did well. Is that they also, you know, they got a fair amount of points and big goals, um, no bigger than uh, 
double overtime in the playoff final. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> little humble brag from a Steelers fan watching that third that, <laughs> that overtime goal from Levi Nelson. Um, yeah, anyway, in fantasy again, it's just something that we, you know, that I could talk about for a while. So I'll put, you know, put an end to it there. Um, it does bring us to the end of our agenda, gents. Other than as per your norm. Um, going through the fixtures that are upcoming. And I have to say, I'm quite happy to say there's only games on Saturday and Sunday coming up because we've gone through these days of all Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. It's just Saturday, Sunday again, which I'm quite happy to see now. Um, I thought you were doing a great job doing every day of the week, mate. Ah, uh, no. Well, I've been learning my days of the week, so I've not, well, not quite learnt Friday if this week's anything to go by. But, um, but yeah, no, it's... Maybe uh, a good thing. Been, yeah, well... Um, so yeah, we'll go through these. Um, I'm going to write down who predicts what again, so that we can have some numbers for next week again. I like it's nice to compare, um, and then if I'm at the bottom, then I'll just strategically lose the numbers. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I think it has Gref. What? Yeah, that's what happened this week. Yeah, that's what's happened this week. Yeah. I just didn't write them down. I wasn't writing down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I, Thursday. I reckon Andy's won it this week, and you just you just ruined his moment. Andy was winning it before anyway. If anything, I was if anything I was consistently running down the middle. <laughs> but anyway, we'll go with, we'll go with these. Um, do me a favour and aim me with these guys because we've I've written them down in an order so that we can write down who who predicts what. So if we can go with Andy first, then Greth, then you, Dave, then me, then I can write them down without having to think about who's saying what, which makes it a hell of a lot easier for me rather than botching it and getting it wrong. Um, so the first games that we've got Saturday the fifth of January. Um, it is the first game that uh, myself, Dave and Andy will all be making a flight out for. It is the Giants versus the Steelers. Who wants to kick us off with that one? Sorry, Andy wants to kick us off with that one. I've just given you the order. <laughs> you, <are. laughs> you give us all these um, rules and instructions and then you do that to us. I, I've got into the routine of just who wants to kick us off with that one. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Andy. Giants or Steelers? Giants. Greth? Giants. Dave? Steelers. I'm going to say Steelers as well. Um, then we've got Devils, Storm. Uh, Andy? Devils. Cardiff. Wow. Um, I'm stunned. Uh, Cardiff. Got a full house for Cardiff on that one, and we're all shocked that Greff didn't say Storm. Um, <laughs> Clan V Stars. Ooh. Ooh. I, I think Clan. It is in it is in Glasgow as well. I like that. So Clan are the home team. Yeah, Clan. <laughs> Clan. Clan. I'm 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 led with a, a attempting choice now. Do I go? Do I play it safe and go with the crowd, or do I uh, do I break off? I'm going to say Stars. Just yeah, it, could, it, it could be one of our. It could. Oh no, I absolutely agree. It wouldn't surprise me if that one went into overtime. Uh, then we've got MK versus Blaze. 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 MK. I'm gonna say Blaze on that one. And then the final game on Saturday is Panthers versus Flyers. Panthers. 
Kakadi are in Nottingham. And Nottingham, man. Panthers. I say Panthers as well, so full house on that one. Uh, then we move on to Sunday, the 6th of Jan. We've got Giants versus Steelers, the second game. Steelers. I'm going to say Steelers on this one as well. Giants. See, I'm going with you, Dave. I think I think Steelers will win the first and lose the second. Um, we've kind of just flipped the, the, the yeah, predictions. We, we have, yeah, we literally have. Uh, then we've got Blaze Clan. In Clan. Coventry, I'll, I'll add. Clan? Okay, Griff? Coventry. Yeah, I'm going to go Coventry as well. Very informed at home. Yeah, I'll go with Blaze. I'll go with Blaze as well. So we've got three to one there. Um, then we've got Storm v Panthers in Manchester. Panthers. Yeah, I'll go with Manchester, obviously. I love the pause there where it was almost like you were contemplating whether you could go against Storm for both games so coming up. <laughs> I'm going to go with Griff. I reckon Manchester going to nick this one. It's funny because I was going to say the same thing, so I'm going to go Storm as well. Uh, then we've got Flames v MK. Um, potential to be a very good game, that for me. Great, Flames. I'm going to say Flames as well. Flames. <coughs> Full house on that. Flames, but I think it'll be close. Uh, then, final game is Fife versus Devils. Fife. Oh. It is in Kokodi as well. I'm still going to go with Cardiff. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'll go Cardiff. And again, I'm going to go Cardiff as well. So once again, Andy's on his own. So that's uh, the number of those. Uh, that's that's four out of the four out of the five Andy, games. Just forget, remember last week when I was on my own, I was getting right. So mate, maybe you're just the the the, the person to follow when it comes to putting accumulators on. But again, we'll put the disclaimer out there. Don't put any accumulators based on the predictions. <laughs> we are not Ladbrokes. We are, yeah, we have no affiliation to Ladbrokes. Please do. <laughs> Please. Other betting sites are available. <laughs> yeah, I use Betfair, so uh, we're all good. Um, yeah, uh, that brings us to a close, guys. That's the, that's the last fixtures. Um, again, thank you to Aaron Murphy for the interview. Very much appreciated. Thank you for the rerun as well. We apologise for the gremlins that, that got rid of that first recording. Um, we apologise again just this week. So we've still got a bit of lurgy between us. So I think we've we've all been coughing and sniffling a little bit again this week. So hopefully, as we uh, we move into January, uh, we'll all get rid of the man flu and uh, and and get back to full health. So you won't have as many coughs to put up with. Um, but yeah, um, for the time being, um, hope everybody has a good weekend. With me, Dave, and uh, Andy are off to Belfast over the weekend, so it should be a good one. Uh, but for now, gentlemen, Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hopefully, a few of uh, Guinnesses will help get rid of the cough. Um, you know, people would like to try it. It would. I'm just hoping Rockies have reduced their Jagerbomb prices. Um, Gref, thank yeah, you very much, well. sir. <laughs> yeah, Gref, thank, thank you very much. A pleasure <laughs> as always, mate. Let's hope you have a good weekend. <laughs>
<laughs> we try that again without us talking at the same time again. Yeah, no, it should be a good weekend, mate. You too. Um, and Andy, thank you very much, and uh, good luck catching your flight when you had to leave at three a.m. Thank you. We need it. Uh, yeah, thank you, Joe, and thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you and Dave in the Emerald Isle. Yeah, you're leaving in two and a half hours' time for this podcast. Good luck, mate. Enjoy, enjoy your flight. You. If he's any consolation, I'm still going to be in bed. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, Look at you. <laughs> it's like New Year's Day all over again. Going to bed at seven and then waking up at half one or whatever it was. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Um, we've not actually plugged the social media this time so before we go I'll plug the social media I was waiting for you to ask me on that one Dave uh, we are at MFZ Podcast on Twitter we are My Fancies and Bony Podcast on Facebook so of course if you have any questions for uh, for episode 18 by all means let us know we apologise um, we kind of came together last minute to get today sorted so we've not been able to put the uh, the questions uh, well the question for questions out on the social media today but if you do have any let us know if you've got any feedback again let us know but for the time being um We've come to the end of another My Fantasy Zamboni episode, so thank you very much.